Standing Ready, the podcast that gives you an inside look at the untold history of the VA's medical innovations with your hosts, Katie Della Sensory and Sean Spittler. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are fully into season two. I'm Sean Spittler. With me is... Hi, this is Katie Della Sensory. Today we're talking about medical devices. Katie, what kind of things are we talking about here when we say medical devices? So medical devices really, you know, there's a huge scope when it comes to that. And initially, VA was focused on rehabilitative devices for veterans. And that grew really in scale and scope um, with the growth of the Office of Research and Development. Um, I know we're talking about wheelchairs today, but there are so many different devices that VA has, has created, including the cardiac pacemaker, which was invented in the 1950s. And one of those researchers who created that device has a really great quote that I like to share. All right, let's hear this it. Is Dr. This is Dr. Andrew Gage, and he says, research was motivated by academic drive and intellectual curiosity. There was so much to be done and little to impede a motivated researcher. Devices needed to be built and studies done. One could have an idea and carry it out. Six months later, a paper, a paper might be generated. So he's really kind of talking about this golden age of, of VA research, um, resulting in a lot of these um, new devices that went on to change the lives of not only veterans, but the whole world. Um, so Sean, would you say that we're sort of in a new golden age of research today? You know, I have to say, uh, I watched a video the other day. This is on YouTube. Anyone can go see this. And it is a research video conducted by the VA. And they had a woman who basically volunteered to drink a glass of LSD on camera. What? This is back in black and white film. This is recorded on black and white film. And you watch her experiencing LSD in the presence of, of a doctor. And it is fascinating. So. Wow. Would you like to sign up? <laughs> in the presence of a doctor would be the only way I would ever consider that experience. And have it recorded. Yeah. Just, just there. Well, Sean, um, I've got a little bit of trivia for you. Are you ready for a little bit of trivia? I am ready for some trivia. What do you have for me? All right. Okay. So uh, Dr. William Oldendorf was a VA neurologist working at the Los Angeles VA hospital, and he developed the uh, CT scanner. So okay. do you do you know what he used to help him develop the CT scanner? Uh, what he used like as a as a prop? Like a household a household toy that you might have seen or played with that helped him invent the CT scanner. Lincoln logs? Close, close. Uh, old yeah. model railroad track. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. It speaks to the ingenuity of some of these researchers and, and just, you know, just to how some of these devices are made. They're, some of them are made in a lab. Some of them, though, are, you know, just bits and pieces from different things here and there. And Do we, do we know how he used the tracks or we just know that he used them? We just know that he used them. I'm not quite sure. We'd have okay. to probably get somebody a little bit more um, scientifically focused to, to talk us through how he was able to do that. But... It still is really cool. Um, so what can we share a little bit about our guest today, Dr. Rory Cooper? So Dr. Rory Cooper works at the Human Engineering Research Lab, and we use the acronym HURL. And so he is kind of a mad scientist in this lab. Uh, we, we got to go visit it in Pittsburgh, and they've got this huge facility, and they test all sorts of mobility devices, uh, and they've got once wheelchairs, honestly, they look like battle tanks and they kind of roll around on these little 
obstacle courses that they've made and they find ways of helping them like climb stair steps and stuff. It's amazing. So, uh, and, and Dr. Cooper himself is in a wheelchair and he touches on that a little bit in our conversation with him, but, uh, that is kind of what inspired him to pursue this line of work. And, uh, he's, he's surrounded by some of the brightest minds working on this kind of stuff in, in research today. And so, you know, he's very passionate about what he does. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited for everyone to hear what he has to say. I'm really excited too. And, you know, when we were interviewing him on video, he has this collection of, of um, old wheelchairs kind of throughout history, which is so neat to see because, you know, some of the earliest wheelchairs were clunky. They were not easy to use. They required the assistance of somebody else. And a lot of um, research that VA has done into developing these devices has made them more um, you know, mobile, allowed veterans to uh, use them much more easily. Um, so it's really cool to see how this progression through history and uh, see what um, Dr. Cooper work, is working on, which will really take us into the future. Yes. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's jump in. Dr. Cooper, there's so much more to say about you and your career, so I'll kind of kick it over to you to just tell us a little bit more about you and yourself and, and what you're working on. Well, great. Thank you, uh, Katie, for having me on your podcast. Uh, so um, to start, I am a, um, I'm the director of the Human Engineering Research Laboratories, which is the home to um, a VA Rehabilitation Research and Development Center and also home to the Technology Transfer Assistance Project. Both of those are uh, supported through VA's Office of Research and Development. And I'm a VA Senior Research Career Scientist, as well as the director of those centers. Uh, also, um, probably in some ways more important, I'm an Army veteran. Um, received my education through the, the good graces of the VA, uh, through the uh, uh, GI Bill and OVR, and uh, I did a postdoc in the VA. I'm by training, I'm a electrical and a biomedical engineer, and uh, I've happily been in the VA for um, over 25 years. Just say it that way, and I work with a wonderful team of uh, of scientists and engineers and clinicians and uh, many of whom are themselves veterans and people with disabilities to uh, create technologies to make life better uh, for our veterans and to improve uh, VA healthcare. Dr. Cooper, could you um, tell us a little bit about uh, what inspired you to join the Army and if you could maybe just tell us a little bit about your service? Um, sure. Um, so. Uh, I was inspired to join the army by my uh, my father served in the army. My um, actually, uh, one of my uncles served in the army. My great couple great uncles served in the army as well, and uh, um, I um, was inspired by their service. And uh, um, I was also in the Boy Scouts and made it to the rank of Eagle Scout. And our uh, the army was very involved in uh, you know that's where we. Our camperies and camperalls were uh, hosted typically on Army bases from the uh, U.S. Army Reserve and National Guard in California, where I grew up. And um, it seemed like a, a great way to um, to see the world, get out of the small town I grew up in, and uh, see a little bit more of uh, the world. Uh, also to to serve um, and uh, contribute to my uh, 
the country and and um you know to be honest to uh to earn the gi bill benefits uh, to help uh, be able to get an education and um, expand my career opportunities um so i um I joined in the 1970s when the army was uh, transitioning. Uh, I was uh, part of the original all volunteer force, and um, I volunteered to uh, to uh, go to Europe. So I spent almost my entire time in the army in um, in Germany, and um, I uh, uh, actually had a really great experience. Um, I served with. Uh, Two different units, and actually was attached to another. So I started my army career with uh, the Third uh, Ordnance Battalion of 32nd uh, um, Army Air Defense and Missile Command, or at that time it's called Army Air Defense Command (ADCOM), which is part of U.S. Army Europe. And our goal was uh, we actually had—I uh, can say that now since it's lapsed—but we had Pershing missiles uh, in defense of Europe against the uh, former Soviet Union. Um, I did that for um, probably just over a year. Uh, and then the um, I, uh, I took German language classes. I have a, had a German grandmother. And uh, I thought while I was there, I learned a bit of a language and the culture. And um, I, did, I wound up uh, getting tapped by the um, the Army started a new program, which we now know as uh, Army Civil Affairs. And um, the uh, because I had language aptitude, high language aptitude scores, I had developed the language, I had uh, achieved the language uh, indicator on my MOS. And um, I got retrained as Civil Affairs and um, wound up. Uh, working uh, for the U.S. military community activity WORMS and 5th Signal Command in WORMS. And I worked for a, a, a brilliant um, general, uh, General Clarence E. McKnight, who went on to be the, uh, um, after 5th Signal Command, went on to be the commander of Fort Huachuca and, uh, and the uh, Communications Command for the Army, and then later wound up being the uh, G6 or the uh, direct, uh, the uh, vice chief or the assistant chief of staff for all communications signal for the army, uh, but he was a great, um, great mentor to me among others. And um, unfortunately, I uh, one day uh, uh, had a bicycling accident while uh, doing physical training and um, wound up with a spinal cord injury. And uh, after spending some time in a German civilian hospital, then uh, Frankfurt Army Hospital, a little bit of time in Walter Reed. So I'm a, uh, an alumni of Walter Reed as well. And then um, came home and eventually did uh, rehab at the uh, Sepulveda VA in uh, Southern California, which um, no longer has a spinal cord injury unit, not because I was a patient there, but uh, because they had an earthquake in the 1990s. But um, they, uh, I, um, I got great care. They introduced me. Uh, actually, uh, one of those, the, the probably the nicest things, the, the best things the VA did for me was well, twofold. One is, like I mentioned earlier, provide the GI Bill for me to get a college education, 
and to introduce me to uh, Tim Davis, uh, who was injured in the Tet Offensive in Vietnam. It's a bilateral amputee and was my peer mentor and is still a friend of mine to this day. And uh, um, so I went to uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, uh, got a degree in electrical engineering, um, went to uh, work um, for Pacific Gas and Electric, uh, a power company in California, uh, earned a master's degree while doing that, and um, was convinced by, by professors that I should consider um, getting a PhD and while I was there. I uh, discovered uh, bioengineering as a as a field and uh, studied uh, uh, electrical and computer engineering for the concentration of bioengineering at University of California at Santa Barbara. And while at a conference, I met uh, Charles Robinson, who um, was a uh, center director and senior career scientist for the VA and uh, at Heinz in Chicago. And uh, Charlie uh, convinced me that uh, uh, the VA would be a, a great uh, career path for me. And so I did a postdoc with him uh, while also uh, taking a faculty position in California. And then uh, Charlie moved from uh, the VA in Chicago, the Heinz VA in Chicago to Pittsburgh, and uh, convinced me to, uh, to, uh, as they say in the Beverly Hillbillies, they don't pack up my stuff and move to uh, to Pittsburgh, which um, at the time was a, a, a bit of a, a, a culture shock, primarily weather-wise. Um, but uh, you know, twenty-seven years later, a little bit more, uh, my wife and I are still in Pittsburgh, and we've. Um, Seen a lot of changes in the VA Pittsburgh healthcare system from a program that almost no research to one of the larger research activities in uh, in the VA. So that's kind of my career in a nutshell, or how I got here. Um, I guess the other thing is, you know, along the way, I um, tried to pay it forward by, uh, especially um, after. Um, so at 91, the first Gulf War, I uh, started taking it. So I worked with Vietnam veterans initially, and then after the first Gulf War, I uh, wound up attracting some of our veterans who were severely wounded, um, not only in the first Gulf War, but also in Panama, and um, to, uh, to convince them that they could study in STEM fields and have a, have a career either in in the VA or, or somewhere else, but that it would be a, a good, uh, stable career choice for uh, for veterans with disabilities. And of course, after 9-11, uh, that got amplified um, quite extensively. Dr. Cooper, um, how did your experience as a disabled veteran motivate some of your research? And did that, were, was your career inspired um, by some of, by, by that? So I, initially, um, I started developing technologies because quite frankly, at the time I was injured, they were very bad. And they had largely had remained unchanged since the 1930s. And um, I really couldn't see myself uh, living with that, you know, making a life with that type of technology. 
And so I started making it for myself and my friends. Also, another important thing happened in my life, and that was that uh, I got introduced to the National Veterans Wheelchair Games, which the VA and Paralyzed Veterans of America organize every year, and saw the opportunity to compete in sports again. So I was a runner in high school in the Army, and this allowed me to, uh, to have that sort of feeling again. I also really loved the camaraderie and how the veterans helped each other in sports. And um, and so I started inventing better everyday chairs for myself, but then racing chairs and then um, triathlon started. And so I worked on building a hand cycle and so I could do triathlons. And uh, it turned out that, you know, as my engineering skills improved, um, friends of mine, um, you know, asked me to help make things for them and design things for them. And um, so I, I was very heavy from throughout the entire 80s, primarily in developing sports equipment. But I also got introduced to a friend of mine, Marilyn Hamilton, who was the founder of the Quickie Wheelchair Company in California and got engaged in helping uh, develop their early Quickie wheelchairs. Um, and then when I uh, finished, so when I was doing my PhD, my uh, professor, one of my professors, uh, my advisor, Steve Horvath, convinced me that I should focus on bioengineering or rehab engineering on technology for people with disabilities and veterans. And introduced me to that was a career option. And then I found out that there were, um, there were VA rehab R&D centers and that that's what they focused on. And I had the good fortune of meeting uh, the director of uh, Office of Research and Development at that time, uh, Dr. Peg Giannini. And um, anybody that knows knew Peg, uh, she uh, she had an infectious personality. You really couldn't tell her no. And uh, she, um, she kind of gave me the last push that this is where I really needed to, uh, to dedicate my professional career. And so it was great because it matched my... Um, Sort of my my hobbies aligned with the uh, and my professional skills uh, aligned with the the opportunities that were afforded to me, and um, so as uh, you know, I still uh, actually still work on racing chairs and hand cycles to some extent. But well, of course, we got involved in uh, power wheelchairs or robotics and um, other um, other devices. And my horizons, you know, got expanded as well as I got introduced to VA healthcare providers and other veterans that had other needs besides those of, of mine and my peer group. But um, also, I would have to say that along the way, the, um, the Paralyzed Veterans of America have been a tremendous uh, supporters. Um, it's a, in some ways, it's a magical organization. They seem to know when somebody with a spinal cord injury winds up in a VA hospital, they find you. And... Um, and they've been very supportive of, of my, me personally and my family, and then uh, for obviously our VA research efforts. Um, what's also amazing about working with veterans and in the VA is veterans, you know, their their selfless service is is part of, of the creed of all of the branches of the military, and they um, they're so willing to. Uh, to, to invest their time and their knowledge and their effort to um, to help each other and to try new technologies and try and participate in research. 
um, to help each other and to help next generations. And that's, you know, as um, motivational for us, but it also just helps to drive uh, VA healthcare forward. Can you uh, tell us, you kind of briefly touched on it. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're working on now? And then uh, from there, uh, talk about how an idea moves from the prototype to a final product. So, uh, so first I should say that we mostly get our ideas from, um, from veterans and from VA clinicians and, and people with disabilities in the community. We do um, frequent, you know, voice of the consumer, voice of the provider um, surveys and interviews and uh, focus groups to find out what are the what are the problems and challenges that people are facing, and then that's how we um, we shape our research effort. Um, so, uh, interestingly enough, so a lot of my studies, especially my uh, PhD studies were focused on robotics and controls. And um, we are working a lot on in the areas of robots now. Um, some of the things, I, so one of the things, I'm, the new things that we're into is how do we make electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles accessible for people with disabilities? So that uh, as we move transition from combustion engine vehicles to electric vehicles and the changes that are, occur in those vehicles and their design, that, that we take advantage of that opportunity to make sure that they are accessible to people with disabilities, especially when we look at autonomous vehicles as well. Uh, there's tremendous benefits for autonomous vehicles, but if they're not accessible, then, then people with disabilities, our veteran population, won't be able to, to, to benefit from those, those advances. Um, along the same line, I really think that um, changes in, uh, in robotics, machine learning, AI, which of course relates to uh, autonomous vehicles, have also tremendous benefits. So um, some of the other things that we're working on are, um, you know, some of the more, ours are mo our MeBot, our mobile enhancement robotic wheelchair that is intended to try to give uh, veterans who use power wheelchairs a uh, similar mobility that somebody would have who's, who's walking. So they can, seamlessly climb curbs and go over potholes and speed bumps and uneven surfaces and ramps and cross slopes um, without um, without changing their position. In other words, so they kind of stay stable. So it's hopefully will reduce the risk of tips and falls, which reasons common, people commonly report to emergency rooms for treatment, uh, as well as expand the environments where people can uh, safely safely move. But we're also working on robotic manipulators and controls for robotic manipulators for individuals that don't have the use of their upper extremities or their arms uh, or have limited use of their arms so that they can uh, be more independent and perform more activities um, at their own um, at their own choosing. Um, so have greater autonomy. We're also uh, working on um, uh, more um, home automation, and you know, it's becoming the home automation technology is becoming more ubiquitous and sold by lots of companies. But it doesn't necessarily um, accommodate the needs of our older veterans and our veterans with disabilities. And so, how do we um, allow our veteran community to either return or remain safely in their homes for as long as they as they choose? 
rather than have to move into a, a, a group or a, a institutional setting. Um, then, uh, you know, we're also working on some, um, some, some things that are a little more, uh, maybe not a, 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 maybe just as advanced, but not as, uh, as robotics oriented. So we have our new chair, which is our pneumatically powered power wheelchair. That's uh, only about a third of the weight of a battery powered power wheelchairs, but has the advantage that it can go um, in water, even underwater. So they're used by uh, veterans and their families at uh, Morgan's Inspiration Island in San Antonio. But they, um, you know, are now we have actually patented, licensed that technology to a, a company uh, run by one of my former graduate students. And um, they're available to like national parks and public beaches and, you know, wave pools and splash parks and things like that, which, um, you know, having the ability to have fun and be with family and do sports and recreation activities is also important. You know, you want to have people to have a total life, not just be able to be um, uh, be able to be at home, but even be sort of in a, a gilded cage at home, right? Be able to actually participate in community activities. But other things are, you know, um, not so complicated. We recently developed and patented a, uh, a mouse, the computer mouse that is... Uh, compatible with, uh, uh, that is useful for people that use a prosthetic hook uh, or that might have a partial hand amputation or, or limited hand function. And um, so that's, uh, you know, it's a fairly low cost, easy to use device, but it meets the needs of a population that's been largely um, underserved. And uh, so, um, that's that's why the voice of the consumer is is very uh, important as well because you might not otherwise have thought about developing a computer mice uh, and stuck with or or developing a pneumatic wheelchair uh, because we would have uh, been focused on um, on more medically oriented fields right and um, that's one of the great things about the VA and VA healthcare is it takes a much more holistic approach. Uh, than many other healthcare systems. We try to um, look at the veteran's entire life and then return them as much as possible to a, a, a full and fulfilling life. All right, I wanna be respectful of your time because we're coming up here on, uh, on 1130, but just kind of as a final wrap up question, looking past your 25 years of experience with the VA, um, do you wanna offer any final thoughts on challenges and successes um, or or anything that has kind of changed over time that you'd like, like to leave with our listeners? Well, I, I think what's uh, what's great, what I've seen over the last 25 years is the, um, the greater support for and the greater integration of, of research, technology transfer, uh, care, and also VA veteran care, as well as um, the veterans have had a uh, have a much greater voice um, in how the in the services provided by the VA and how the VA is directed, which has also um, been really important. I mean, I, I remember in the early days, you you know, were more or less dictated to, and now it's more of a, a partnership uh, as as far as VA healthcare is concerned. Um, the other thing that's uh, 
you know, is unique about the VA, as I mentioned earlier, is not only the holistic approach, but uh, there's really no better place to be developing uh, technology uh, for uh, people with disabilities uh, because the VA uh, provides uh, brighter, broader coverage. It, it, it really does embrace the mission of helping our veterans with severe disabilities return to a full participant in society as much as they can achieve and uh, and using technology to promote that which is um is actually uh, a, a, a leading edge uh, in in american healthcare. thank you so much uh if, if i could uh take a quick second and ask you one last question if you're if you've got the time but what makes you excited about the future or for the future in this uh industry uh, what makes me excited about the future for this industry is a couple of things. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing greater diversity in the in research, um, as well and as, as well as in engineering. We really need more women, uh, veterans with disabilities, people with disabilities, uh, and people of color and people from all kinds of different backgrounds. That's I think an exciting opportunity. I also think that the uh, technological advances that are occurring. In, um, in, in computing, in uh, battery technology, in motor technology, control technology, robotics, AI, all have tremendous uh, potential in this field. And um, that we need, you know, we need everybody's talent uh, uh, in everybody's time in order to, to uh, continue to build towards a, a brighter future for our veterans and all of our Americans with uh, with disabilities, um, so that we can create a um, a more equitable and uh, inclusive world. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Cooper. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast. That was Dr. Rory Cooper with the Human Engineering Research Lab in Pittsburgh. And if you want to see what Dr. Cooper looks like, and you want to see some of the wheelchairs uh, that he has in a facility. I encourage you guys to look up Chats with the Chief on YouTube. So you can just type in Chats with the Chief, Rory Cooper, R-O-R-Y-C-O-O-P-E-R. And you can see him there. He's got some of the wheelchairs that they have uh, in the background. You can also kind of see the facility that they're sitting in during the interview. So uh, it's really cool interview. They touch on some of the things that we talked about here, but in a lot more detail. So definitely go check that out, guys. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next week. Woo!